Major. I'm Kim. And that's the two of us tonight. <laughs> yes. No more. How was your day today? Uh, yeah, it went, it went good. It was a busy one. Yeah, mine was pretty busy too. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. We have a, a large training, a lot of training rooms in my building. Okay. And the computers, it's a unique situation to try and manage hardware for. Sure. Because the hardware is never turned on unless it's wanting to be used. Mm -hmm. So they're not getting updates. Oh, no. Um, yeah, and it's, you know, they're left plugged in 24-7, so batteries are bad. and I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing that I'm trying to figure out a good solution for. Sure, but you don't want to, like, unplug them all the time. And... Yeah, exactly. Yada, yada, yada. Well, that's... What about you? How was your day? Uh, it was all right. I, um... I'm getting more Citrix environments that I'm having to help people with. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with Citrix. Um, the basic... A bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the basic concept is that you have a server that either hosts desktop computers, like whatever you normally log into on your home computer is like a whole bunch of them are all housed on one server, or they can host applications and you have a receiver on your desktop and you log into mm -hmm. that receiver and then once you do that you can get to all the applications that are installed on the server and there are approximately 18 gajillion ways to set up citrix servers and every time i've ever seen one it's set up differently like there's no yeah. i mean there's similarities there's you know the basics of the the back-end citrix pieces are usually the same but because of the way it's configured differently, the end users um, have different experiences and um, making that experience functional for all of the software that you have to support gets to be very difficult because what one software, like if you have one software that requires a certain piece of Microsoft, uh, say .NET framework, um, which is something that most people don't ever need to worry about, um, but if you have legacy software, which just basically means really old stuff, uh, sometimes it needs a certain version of the .NET framework in order to run on the computer. Well, in certain Citrix environments, that's too much. Um, it goes back too far, and then it doesn't work with the Citrix. And then the way it all plays together can make other things just not function. Yeah. And it's just a huge, it's a huge <laughs> troubleshooting mess. Because it because of the way it's all bundled together, it's hard to untangle to figure out which strand is is causing the trouble. So well, yeah, what's what's the what's the troublemaker? Exactly. Yeah. So it gets to be interesting when you're like, wait a minute, I installed this. I don't know something completely doesn't seem like it has anything to do with uh, the software that we're using. But then we'll find out that it uses some bit of hardware that is needed for our process, and it's hogging all of that hardware, whatever it happens to be, whether it's RAM or yeah, like. <laughs> anyway, so that's been my life is just figuring out some of those weird. Yeah, no, I I I've used uh, Citrix in I think probably every job I've worked in, and it's yeah, like you said, everyone's set up differently, and it's it's never fun to deal with. Nope. Not at all. And then you get login and there's other pieces to it. I won't continue rambling. Because <laughs> I could complain about it for a long, 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 long time. 
And I'm sure our listeners don't need to hear all of my whining, basically. All of the woes. Mm. But it's it can be a very good tool. Um, once you get everything set up and it's functioning, it's so smooth. And it makes like updates and stuff like that that you were just complaining about. Um, it makes it a lot easier because it's on the server. You can just do it. <laughs> you know, like there's no making sure the computers yeah. are turned on. There's no anything like that. So in some of those situations, it's very, very handy, especially if it's a widespread organization with a lot of different branches and stuff. So I I understand the perks. I just have to deal with the downfalls of it all the time because that's my job. Yep, that's the, the woes and the, the consequences of being an IT person. Yep. But when it works, it's beautiful, like most technology. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have any fun news for us tonight? You know, yeah, I, I suppose so. <laughs> well, How about just news? Yeah, depressing? Yeah, news, yeah. Well, no, it's not depressing. It's So, a lot of people have been hearing about Samsung's big push to have, like, bendable like devices. Oh yeah, they've got the they've got the bugs yeah. worked out theoretically of their two thousand dollar phone. Uh huh. Well, it, you're starting now to see other corporations kind of jump into it. Sure. So today or recently, um, Microsoft kind of announced their Surface line. Okay. Is going to start using that, so they're going to kind of have like a a like a two screen like bendable like laptop type thing. Where, like, it looks like the whole surface of the laptop is kind of a screen. Interesting. Like, it yeah, doesn't have yeah. a keyboard? Um, or, is it, or is it just, like, a phone keyboard situation? It, it looks like there's a couple different versions that they have. Um, one of them is kind of like a phone keyboard, kind of like you said, where there's, like, a display oh. on the keyboard, it looks like. Okay. Um, or that might have been a different mock-up I saw. But it's going to be kind of like a... A dual screen thing going on i i just google search dual screen surface when you, you know you hear this podcast and it, it looks pretty cool okay. i i think it's going to kind of be the next generation of laptops out there dual screen surface. so it, it's 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 a it, it's a surface duo. i'm not sure if they're going to try and make it into yeah, it's like, it, it, do you remember netbooks? The big craze when everything was kind of like really small? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think it kind of reminds me of that. Only I think it's going to have a little more functionality in it. Okay. I don't know. It, it's kind of a cool concept. So, so it looks like a dual screen tablet. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Where you have like actual physical keys, but you have like a work area above your keyboard for things. And then you can also expand it to be kind of the full thing as well. Because, like, you can take off the keyboard to make it a full, yeah, like, yeah. Right. Like I said, it, it's, 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 it's a unique thing. I haven't seen any other company do this. It's very interesting. And I, th I think this could have some really good potential usage for especially, like, business travelers and people who, like, they... I know one of the biggest complaints I had when I we were doing surfaces for the, our traveling people was that the screen was so small that you just... Yeah. It was almost unusable. So I think having a double screen possibility, um, basically to have more screen space, to have it big enough to be usable, could be very handy for a lot of people. Because realistically, carrying around a 17-inch laptop 
when you're doing a lot of flying is no. just not really feasible. Because, I mean, that's an extra four pounds of weight. Well, maybe not that much. Maybe two or three. But, I mean, when you're used to having a device that just literally small... weighs like less than a pound, it's it's significant when you have to carry that everywhere on top of all your other stuff. So, but, that's cool. Yeah, no, I think it, it's it's just it's a really cool design. And I think... I don't know if I'm really excited for it just because it's unique or if because it's uh, something that's legitimately going to be kind of a a good niche. Well, and it looks like it's two separate screens. Yeah. That and are then you foldable can like rather than trying to make it, a bendable screen. Yeah, that's true. I, and then from what I can see, there's going to be a smaller one, the do. which is actually going to be their attempt at making another phone. Yeah. But it's using Android software, so of it's it's actually it using Google, a Google system. So they're not going to actually try and make a, a Windows phone again, I don't think. Well, it, was it was Sam talking about that on this podcast, or was that elsewhere? Um, Windows Edge is using the Chromium, um, not OS, Chromium system now. So it, they're not even oh. making their own web browser. They're using Chrome, essentially. With all their junk piled on top of it. Yeah. So it makes sense that they're going to go Android because that would be uh, more accepting of the whole Chrome, Google, whatever. So. But yeah. That's cool. I, uh, I'm i always someone that likes the new gadgets and stuff. I never get them myself, but. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. If this is something that becomes actually a used thing or if this is just one of those blips in history like Crystal Pepsi or something. Yes. That everybody uh, we'll remembers, but like forgotten. nobody actually drank. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bring it back. Oh, oh you brought it back? I, it tastes I don't like really crap. I didn't of, want yeah. this. Thank you. <laughs> and I wonder yeah. how that's going to affect. Um, well, like screens are going to break. And so, you know, whatever. That's pretty common. But I wonder how it's going to affect um, like IT tickets when you have people who have to submit a case i guess it probably wouldn't be much different than like a dual screen situation huh no and yeah i i think i think it would be yeah basically why don't we start talking about that i think if you were to like remote into it you would just see two screens that would make sense yeah we'll see how the uh remoting in software does with that because as our topic is tonight um we're talking about how a normal case ticketing system resolution kind of comes about or how like the IT crew handles it when somebody has a, a fix or break situation. Fix and break situation. Yeah. So Yeah, pretty much or just any kind of yeah. So how does it anything start that needs to go from broken to So it it starts in a variety of different ways. Um there's, I'm, I'm sure it's the same for you, and because it's been the same for everywhere I've worked, is that you get a ticket, and um, 99% of the time, it's someone that walks up, <laughs> calls you, emails you, or um, you get assigned it by like your help desk. Yep. The the other small percentage of the time is something that kind of like you see yourself and you self initiate. Yeah. Most of the time, it's someone happen. coming in and raising up an issue that they're having. Mm -hmm. So I personally, as an IT professional, prefer it when there is a case system or a ticketing system 
where people can submit online and like have a form almost to fill out to be like, I am so-and-so, I am located here, this is my issue. And then like have a few prompts for questions for some of the basic, like, what machine are you using? Or, Or like, what device are you having trouble with? You know, things like that. Because it helps to to get some of the the questions started, but yeah, most more likely it's going to be a phone call or an email. I hate being stopped in the hallway though. Yeah, when when you're ambushed and you don't have like a uh, anything to take notes or, you know, we want to help out, but it, it's you got that feeling of well now I have to try and remember this or I don't want to forget about it and. I've become really good. Um, because at, at my last job, there was a lot of that kind of thing that would happen. And so I became really good at being um, the deferring. Like, oh, yeah, you're having issues with your monitor. Why don't you send a ticket to the the help desk? Yeah. And when I'm done with this thing that I'm doing, I will get, get to that when I get there. Unless so it's the that... CEO that stopped you. And then you go, sir, yeah. yes, sir, let me go fix that right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and that kind of that kind of explains why we are as IT people kind of so militant or so insistent that you open up tickets. It's not just because, you know, we enjoy you going through what you feel might be, you know, meaningless work. It's it's a way for us to one make sure that we're able to take your issue and track it so, you know, it doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Mhm. Um, we're able to organize all the information we need to solve it and track it. If we start to see, you know, that maybe your computer is getting frequent issues, well, maybe we can look at helping you out by, you know, upgrading you or something. Or um, and then, there's been a lot of times when it's been an issue that started with one person, but then expanded from there. Yeah. So then you know, like, oh, this software had an update that has been affecting now a whole bunch of people. And so the quicker you report that and the quicker we get more people in it, the faster we can realize the scope and the depth of the issues versus just being like, oh, yeah, my computer doesn't work. Okay. Yep. And and it also helps us greatly um, triage. So, yes. you know, we want to take care of everyone's issue, but, you know, there are issues that are more important than others just on the fact that they're more work impacting. Mm-hmm. And being able to have a ticket system open where we can say and organize ourselves is, it's important. Yeah. And even if, like personally, before we really had a ticketing system at my last job, I was doing like the email organization where I had like folders that were like, okay, this needs to be dealt with now. This is like, okay, I've got a little time. And you kind of go from there to, to make sure that the wider spread or the like more serious issues like your computer is completely down and you can't even turn it on that's going to get a lot more attention than uh my email changed color and i can't figure out how to change it back and then one (laughs) other thing yeah one other thing too is um this is something that's not really related to the users at all but a ticketing system is kind of a way for it to to justify our job and to justify the work we do to we're prove able to that say, we're not you know, just sitting around twiddling our thumbs all day. <laughs> pretty much. So that that's that's you're really helping out your IT person by opening up a ticket, even if you stop him in the hallway and just be like, you know, I'm, I'm having going this to issue. submit this. I'm going to submit this ticket. I just want to give you a heads up. Yeah. 
So that's how how they get started. And then IT always comes back with a bunch of questions, right? What are some of the questions that they come back with? <laughs> so the first question is, what happened? Um, so if it's like, uh, you know, I... So I have this story where I was going... I was walking down the hallway and I tripped and I dropped my uh, laptop and now the enter button doesn't work or something like that, like it will help us to identify like the beginning of the issue and the more details you can provide to us pertaining to what happened, the the faster we can usually get you uh, yeah. resolution. And kind of to go with that, we often ask for error messages and as much detail as you can include with those, that helps us immensely because sometimes it's just a matter of being like, oh, I know what that error means. You need to do X versus um, my computer's acting weird. When I click on this, it does this thing and then an error pops up. Well, what was the error message? I don't know. Then we have to go through more. Basically, we have to watch you do the thing so that we can see what's happening. And while that's very helpful and it's useful to do that sometimes, uh, if we can just have an error message that we can be like, oh, yeah, I know what that is. That, again, makes it faster. <laughs> And if you feel comfortable, you know, screenshots are really nice. Or, oh, yes. you know, you might you might feel silly doing it, but even just taking a photo with your camera helps out. Oh, yeah. Well, and it depends on what the, the issue is. Like, if you've got a blue screen of death, you can't take a screenshot because your computer yeah. is dying. Anything to help us document exactly what's happening at that moment is very, very helpful. And then a lot of times we'll pop into a little bit of history, like when did this last work? So if you have a program that you only use once every couple of weeks and you go to load it and all of a sudden it's not loading, we'll know that you had a two-week time frame from the last time you used it. So there could have been updates, there could have been something with that program that um, you know has been affected by an update or it's updated or we know there's something system-wide that is affecting the use of this any number of things like we did a firewall update and we no longer allow that particular program into the server that it needs to get into so we need to make sure we uh change that firewall to be able to allow it in yeah which is a really heavy like that's obviously that would be our our job as it to to go in there and make those changes but that kind of time frame allows us to know how far back we need to go to to look at system changes um, other things, you know, we would want to make sure is, you know, just basically what happened leading up to it. Like, like maybe, how would you phrase it? Not, not assigning blame, but you know, if. Don't lie. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Just, uh, just, just kind of own up truth. to it. Like, um, most times in a business setting, people, unless it was something blatantly careless. IT, 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 you're not going to get in trouble for spilling coffee on a keyboard. No. You know? Yeah. Like, we might get upset that, that there's something that's gone wrong, but to be honest, I would rather have somebody be like, I dumped a bottle of water on my computer, I'm sorry, rather than trying to be like, oh, I don't know what happened. It just started <laughs> sparking all over the place. Like, yeah. We're we're not dumb, <laughs> and we can probably figure it out eventually by taking things apart, but it, it's not good to do it that way. I'd prefer not to do it that way. And um, 
you know, if you were on your computer, well, I suppose if you're doing something that's against company policy, maybe I could understand why you'd want to lie. But when it's things like, I was visiting a website and I clicked this thing and now my browser doesn't work. You know, I'm getting this pop-up saying that I need to call Microsoft because there's a virus on my computer. So, no joke, this happened. <laughs> um, there's, I've had this happen at three different employers now. There is a certain recipe website out there. When people try to print recipes from this website, oh no, it clogs up a printer queue. It will not. It just shuts down the printer, basically. Oh, that's interesting. I've seen the print the recipe ones where you go to print it and it makes you yeah. download a print helper oh, like a, or something like that. Yeah. Oh. No, this is just somehow the formatting of the the recipe or something just kills it. Clogs the queue. And so one of my my coworker had to run around the other day trying to find who in the office was printing out how to care for my zucchini. <laughs> and because the printer was completely bricked so he couldn't access the server on the printer oh my god and he had to kill it from the workstation itself and in that situation no one fessed up but it would have it would have cut about 30 minutes off of our work if someone would have just been like oh yeah, yeah sorry i i didn't know i was going to do that yeah. i'm sorry and, and like we might be angry at the time, but believe me, if you would just fess up, it would make it so much easier. Because we're gonna I, figure it I out even, eventually. I, I mean, most IT people, it, I don't know. I don't think they'd even be angry. They'd just be like, <sighs> yeah, like, yeah, and mildly, mildly annoyed. Yes. Well, and it's the website's fault, but you probably shouldn't be printing those things at work anyway. Yeah. But yeah, um. But then once we get some of like the basic ideas, and especially if you have errors that are like popping up and we know that we need to get into your computer and do a thing, I think I know, I think every IT professional I know would much rather remote into somebody's machine. Yeah. And there's so many cool software well, pieces that you can do this with now. And it's there's a lot of reasons why we like to. Um, one of the big things for me is that I can get to you quicker. I don't have to try and hunt you down, find your cube, if I can just reach you out. Yes. Um, another huge thing is that, honestly, I'm probably helping at least at least one other person <laughs> when I'm remoted into your computer. Yep. <laughs> so I, I'm working, I'm literally at probably times doing three or four different computers, talking to three or four different people. Oh, yeah. If you've got the like the chat thing. At my current job, I'm usually on the phone with them. So oh, yeah. I will be remoted into their computer trying to figure out, like, you know, what's going on with them. And then while they're um, getting to a point where they can show me the error or trying a thing or whatever, I will often be on other cases and they'll be I'll just be typing to them and I won't be in their computers. But, yeah, it's way easier to do it that way for us, for sure. But it's really cool with the remote sessions because it kind of looks like a hacker has taken over your uh, oh my computer gosh, everything's for moving by itself. It, it's all moving by itself. I always hear people say in the background, oh, that's so cool. Or creepy, depending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times when we're in people's computers, we get into places that they never go themselves, which we appreciate. Don't. Unless you are, are getting a good understanding of what you're doing. Don't go to the places we go to. Um. 
some of the ways we get there, uh, we often use something called a command prompt, which is that black window that pops up. It looks all, you know, nerdy and it, technical. It looks super hackery. Just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a way for us to kind of run certain commands or elevate certain things to, to be able to solve, to, to cheat through the limitations we probably have on your account. Yes. You know, we, we make it so you can't do certain things, but if we have the right password and then the right commands, usually this little box kind of lets us do our job. Mm -hmm. And then other times we will find ourselves going into file folders that are, you know, yes, you could probably get to, but you would never want to go there yourself. Yeah. So that's why you might see us digging into, you know, folders upon folders at weird looking, you know, weird named files. Oh yeah, I. <laughs> there's definitely times I dig into like the Windows folders, and it's just like, oh man, I don't know. Without having everything like seriously documented, there's no way I would ever know what I'm doing in those folders because it's like Windows System 32 driver, and then like some string of numbers and letters, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, craziness. And then there's other places too that we get into like um. Event Viewer is one that I get into pretty frequently. Uh, um, and uh, Registry Editor. Yeah, Registry Editor. Well, especially, don't touch Registry, ever. I, I would hope that your your business would not even let you. Yeah, they should not. Yeah. If they do, don't. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's kind of a holdover. Like, it's not really required, and there's a lot of stuff that's in there that's not necessarily needed anymore. But... The problem is that everything that you install on your computer puts things in the registry to tell it how to behave or what it can access. And Windows is even getting to the point where it's so old that there's things in the registry that you can only do through the registry now because the the layers of like user protections that Windows attempts to build in makes it so that you have to go into the registry because all of those protections basically keep it from actually changing. Like, I have seen so many places where there's something called UAC, which I think is user account control, which are those really annoying boxes that pop up that say, you're about to run X from your drive. Do you want this to make changes to your computer? That's UAC. And a lot of times in a business setting, we will have that locked down. Or even on your own computer, it'll be set to always be on. And when it is on, there's a lot of things that we as IT professionals can't do. <laughs> so we sometimes have to make registry edits to, to like completely disable that. Yeah. And then we have to do restarts and all the things. But yeah. But yeah, so there's some of that kind of stuff that it's kind of interesting to watch. If you have no clue what we're doing, it's probably pretty boring. But but yeah, that's... And there's also... I, I know that we get into a lot of deep dive into settings and so, you know, you'll get into your Office programs. Well, we'll get into Office and then go to Options and then Options and then, like, Advanced Macros or something, like, depending on which version of, yeah. of Office you have. Like, there's just so many different places that we can change settings and check for things that, yeah, if you pay attention, there's, that's kind of how I learned when I started down this road, actually. I had a lemon of a computer back in the early 2000s that we'd gotten from Best Buy. And I had to keep having Best Buy come in, like they would remote in. I don't think they were remoting in. They were directing me 
to change things on my computer and they were having me go to all these places and do the things and I was like I can do this this isn't so bad and so that's kind of how I started being like well I can do this <laughs> and yeah I could yeah it's it's how a lot of people learned just by kind of digging around and you know trial and error your own self yeah so if you want to learn that's a good way to just get started to watch your it people dig around yeah um so we we do that a lot of the stuff that we're doing as well you know when we're remoting in and we're maybe sitting at your computer um don't be surprised or look down or offended if you see the it person using like google or looking at forums oh yeah because it, it it is such a huge thing that the, the way i like to say to people is we didn't really go to college or education or tech school to learn everything we need to know to do the job we went there to learn how to find what we need to know on the job Oh, 100%. Because everything changes yeah. so quickly. You cannot so it's, possibly keep up with all the fixes. Yeah. So it's it's important to be able to know how to research and, and look up the answers when you don't know them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, someone's Googling. That doesn't mean that they're not going to fix your issue. That just means that they're maybe refreshing or learning real quick. Or they could just be looking up that one stupid command prompt that you can't never remember. Yeah. That's me a lot. <laughs> Like, okay, wait, what What do I need to type in here? But yeah. And the, like, right now, like, I'm since I'm supporting software, we have a knowledge base of information. And we try to put, like, some of our more common errors and some of the things that the end users could fix or IT at the end user's place could fix if they knew what they were doing. And so it's become kind of an expectation among IT people that there will be some form of documentation that if you dig far enough, you can probably find it. Even if it's some really weird behavior with the software where it's like, if I click on this thing, then this other part stops functioning. Like, okay, so what you need yeah. to do, squint your left eye and then turn your head 30 <laughs> degrees to the right, uh, go into registry editor, yeah, no, it's, it's, there's so many different, like, just deep dive, like, ugh, you, you would never be able to memorize For it. For instance, um, printers being an issue with um, everything for me recently, um, there was a version of Kyocera printers for which the driver was attempting to use the version, the font, yeah, the fonts were installed on the printer itself, and so it was trying to override the fonts that we were trying to send to it well when that was turned on it was crashing our program i don't uh, know why <laughs> but that was six layers into the printer properties five layers into the printer properties and then you had a checkbox and it was just like are you kidding me <laughs> i don't know who figured that one out but um by the time I was told this, like, it's very rare that this is a thing. Um, but, but by the time I was told this, I was already, like, trying to, almost ready to tear my hair out because this issue was, was happening. I was like, why is this crashing every time they hit print? This doesn't make any sense. It looks fine. <laughs> so, yeah. it's And it's that kind of thing that, you know, there's no way that the average person who's doing the troubleshooting would have any way to know to dig that far into printer settings 
to disable a checkbox that they don't even know exists for that particular brand of printer. Yep. And it's just the feeling of you've done something like it before. So you can kind of, there's a certain amount of intuitive that just happens. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've opened up applications and I've, I've, you know, worked on hardware where I've never even touched it in my life and I have no idea how they set it up, but I just am able to get to where I need to or figure it out because I've done something like it. Oh yeah, that too. So you're, that that's the big part of being an IT person. It's just, you roll with the punches and you know, when someone comes at you with an issue, it's your job to be the investigator, you know, and go through the standard troubleshooting process. Yep. And the more of the troubleshooting process you give us when we start the faster we will be able to come to some form of conclusion which is another reason why we like you to open tickets yes because sometimes we can guide you through some of the very basic troubleshooting did you turn it off and back on again kind of things without even like looking at your computer or anything like that and then once we get to the end and we think we've resolved the issue we will usually either confirm with you that it is functional or we will follow up with you a few days later to make sure that it is still functional. <laughs> yep. And uh, we like to just kind of, you know, make sure uh, it's usually a requirement for closing the ticket, you know. Did you confirm with the customer that it's fixed? Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's not, it's just good, you know, customer service to be friendly and make sure you're not just sitting out high and dry waiting for something that we think is done. Or to explain to you how how it's been resolved, which sometimes, you know, it's a... Yeah oh, this particular piece of software doesn't like whatever, and so you have to do X instead to make it work. Like, it it might be a little minor inconvenience, but from the IT standpoint, it still functions. And when we get to a full solution, we will let you know and we'll get that out to you. But sometimes it's just a matter of living with something that's mildly irritating for a little bit because... And, and I will say sometimes... I. I wish one of my worst tickets that I hate dealing with are the really nitpicky. Um, well, I used to go about this and I only had to click two buttons to get where I needed, <laughs> but now something changed and I have to click three buttons to get where I need to. I need you to solve it. So I only need to click two again. And the amount of things that we have in our day, we're not saying we don't, want you to be happy but uh, yeah be reasonable and be like you know maybe in some downtime can you look into it yeah well and then there's some things that from an it standpoint it's functional but on the user standpoint it's really irritating and we understand that (laughs) and sometimes we can do something to make it better but a lot of times it's been an update to a piece of software that we have no control over. So, you know, if Windows decides to make its, to, to take its toolbar for, or sorry, if Microsoft decides to take its toolbar for Word and move it or make it more difficult to find whatever mail merge macro, whatever you used to use, <laughs> like these are things that we understand is going to be more of an issue but at the same time like we don't run microsoft we don't have the ability to change these things uh and a lot of that ends up being on the end user to just be like okay you need to figure this out 
you have to be the ones to be like, okay, so here is the best way to do this now in this new update to uh, Word that we have to be able to do these merge things yeah. or whatever. Or even um, a lot of the training, like how to make a certain report in Excel. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't do that. That's that's not something we often do on our job. So I don't look at Excel. You know, sometimes like that, you need to, you know, hop onto the Google yourself like we do. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's definitely those kind of things, too, where it's like, if you if you ask yourself how to do a thing and you go, well, how would I figure this out? And your first response is, I'm going to go to IT because this should work this way. Yeah. You know, Google's your friend. You could, and if you Google it and you can't figure it out because there's 18 different documents out there that are all conflicting, which happens, then you can be like, hey, I found X. Could you please help me figure out if this is possible with my version of whatever software? You know, that's yeah. a thing too. Where I would definitely be more than willing to be like, oh, I'm so glad that you looked for this. Yes, you can do this with your software and here's how versus like, yep. no, that's not possible go away like i'm not going to be like that if you're trying to help yourself personally but anyway yeah so um hopefully this helps you understand a little bit more of like why your it does what it does and um if you have any questions about that process or any other um more specific things that you would like to know from the it standpoint let us know you can email us at servicedeskpodcast at gmail.com and give us that little bit of info. Mm-hmm. Oh, or um, if you just like what you're hearing, you can. You're more than willing to. Or we are more than willing to uh, accept some donations for our Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/slash/ServiceDeskPodcast. Uh, we have a Discord. We do little monthly blogs. Um, I occasionally clip weird bits of whatever we've done during the uh, podcast and throw that on the Patreon, um, and stickers and buttons uh get sent out because i have extra buttons so i'm just gonna start i just started sending those as well yeah so that's some really good stuff so a huge thank you to our four patrons we currently have Corey, don matt and tim you guys are amazing so thank you thank you thank you thank you so much for supporting us and um sorry maddie not matt how dare i but you guys are amazing, and actually, I'm looking at potentially switching us over to maybe Squarespace? I don't know. I, I gotta get this website thing under control, because I don't like Google Sites. <laughs> I'm being picky. I don't like the way it looks. It's, it's it, yeah. It, it's it's kind of super generic. Yep. It served our purpose. It's time to grow and expand, yeah. and thanks to our wonderful patrons... I might be able to make something prettier that works better. Um, but anyway, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, make sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to us. Uh, iTunes, uh, any of your podcast apps, uh, and share. Just, you know, give it to someone you think might uh, be interested in it. And you can find us on all the, the social medias, the Twitter. Well, yes. not all of them. I take that back. And submit a ticket at uh, servicedeskpodcast at gmail.com. And we will ask you all the questions. <laughs> yes. And maybe remote in. No. We... Please make sure to include your computer name and a phone number. Please, yes. Yes. <laughs> and any error messages you may yes, have. Yes, anyways. 
I'm Andrew. I'm Kim. And, and we, we are, are your Techie, techie Press. press.